0: When I was 14, I fell in love. Um, Okay, to be honest, it probably wasn't actually falling in love. It was more like a crush. And this crush, it was actually on the church. I fell in love, actually more so had a crush on the church. And that happened because for the first time in my life, I read through the book of Acts. And God had been doing a real powerful work in me personally at the time, in my early teenage years. And when I read through the book of Acts, which is a book in the New Testament that comes right after the Gospels, kind of Jesus lives the earth, he rises again, he sends his followers out. Um, And the church is established, the people of God is established. I read about this. When I was 14 and I, my heart was stirred is like that. You see the girl across the cafeteria and you've never met her before. And you, oh, she's the one, you know, it, but it, it was kind of as I was reading acts, I'm thinking, this is amazing. Man, this church, this looks good. Uh, I, there is a beauty to this church. These people are walking in intimacy with God. They hear his voice. They represent him well in the world around them. There's power, there's healing, there's love, Um, there's transformation happening and all these things. So uh, what happened was, as a result of this crush, if you will, um, I, I took the plunge and I started to date. I stepped into a dating relationship with a church in a sense, and um, so I got involved, pretty involved in my church and my youth group and kind of on throughout high school. And uh, what happens when you date a person, also when you date a church, is that over time you start to gain greater clarity. So you go from a place of kind of A crush I'm really excited about this the church or maybe a local church you get really excited about a community and the vision that they're after and then as you kind of make that next step of commitment um, just on a kind of that dating level you you start to get some clarity and one of the things that happens as you get clarity is sometimes the crush starts to subside in fact in some ways that's the way it's meant to be and that's the way it works and so what happened is, as I got more clarity, uh, that like, oh, the church is perfect. It's just so beautiful. I could just do this forever. This is what I want to be about. Uh, you start to realize that it's not as easy to maintain that level of excitement over the long haul. You start to realize, wow, uh, every church I've been involved in actually has a lot of shortcomings and weaknesses and well, I haven't found a perfect, perfect church yet. And, and then even as you start looking through Acts in the New Testament, you start to realize, what was I seeing before? Because it looks a lot more messed up now than when I first saw it. And I uh, was just so gung-ho about it. Um, and so we start, we go on this journey from a crush to clarity. Um, then what often happens in this process, we'll call it the the journey of actually growing to love the church because um, the crush isn't true love even though we often refer to that as oh, I fell in love that's not the true love true love is when you move from that place through a season of clarity and then you end up at commitment you come through and you end up at the place of commitment in a relationship for those of you who are who are married here I bet you know if you're even a month into marriage you're realizing wow. There's a need for some commitment here. Uh, This isn't just all hanging out in that this person is perfect. They can do no wrong. You get to that place quickly. And and it's similarly in our experience with the church. We get to that place where we go from kind of the crush to gaining some clarity to commitment. Now, what often happens, uh, sadly, or what, what we see a lot around us, If you've ever been on social media, you've probably seen it, is we can quickly, rather than get to the place of commitment in that process, we get to a place of disconnect. And so rather than move through clarity and an awareness of what the church really is, an imperfect group of people becoming more glorious, we end up at the other end and we we say, you know what, I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to disconnect from this. You know, then, then maybe there's another process. We start that cycle again. And we go through this process of uh, crush, gain clarity, disconnect. And it's kind of this, this cycle goes on. Well, uh, there's a great book. And it's, it's on marriage. It's called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller with his wife, Kathy Keller. And um, I, was, I was reading a section. And I thought, wow, this relates so much to the church as well as marriage, as we, as we talk about our relationship with one another, as we covenant together, and we move to a place of commitment to the church as a whole, but also as this church, as this body, um, as we move to that place of committing to what God's doing here in our midst. So I want to read you what they say. Um, they, it's hard to If you know Tim Keller, it's hard to capture his words at times. He says things so well. So he says this about the Christian vision for marriage and what true falling in love is. But instead of reading this in the context of a spouse um, or a significant other, I want to read this in the context of the church. It says this, within the Christian vision for the church, here's what it means to fall in love. It is to look at a church, and get a glimpse of the church that God is creating, and to say, I see who God is making you, and it excites me. I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with this church, or with the church, and God in the journey that they are making together to his throne. And when we get there, we will look at the magnificence around us and say, I always knew that this church could be like this. I got glimpses of it on earth, but now look at you. And what, what Tim is talking about is he, he's, he's following up an analogy that he gives. And he, he says that kind of falling in love with a person and truly walking in love is like, uh, it's like you go to a part of the world where there's gorgeous mountain ranges all around. It's just this gorgeous landscape. And you show up there, and you're in a hotel room, and you look outside your window. and But it, it's cloudy and rainy. Uh, you know, you've, you've seen... You know what's there. You know there's this glorious horizon with these mountains. Uh, but it's, it's really... It's rainy and cloudy. You can't see it. But then what happens is the clouds roll away, and the rain stops. And you see this mountain range. And you get, it's just beautiful. That's what I want to, I want to go and navigate that. I want to go on an adventure in that mountain range. But then what happens is the clouds come back and the rain starts again. And where, where did it go? Where was that thing of beauty and glory that I saw? You know, it's like that in our experiences with the body of Christ, with the church. We'll often see these glimpses Of beauty and glory. And then we'll see something that makes us shake our head. Or we say, what is that all about? I'm done with the church. I'm done with that. Um, Kathy Keller uh, gives another analogy. She talks about how uh, Michelangelo, when he was... uh, Apparently, when he was asked how he made the famous David um, sculpture, he said, I looked inside the marble... And just took away the bits that weren't David. And so Kathy says that we're often looking for the finished product of this masterpiece in David, when really what we should be looking for is a wonderful block of marble. So, this is what God's often doing in us in the area of of church, of the church. And even local churches, uh, being belonging to a people of God. He's showing us, here's what could be. Here's, here's the glory of what could be. Um, but then he invites us into this process of gaining greater clarity. But not just going in a cycle of disconnect. But saying, I'm in. I am going to commit. So God's bringing us on this journey. So we are going to be in a sermon series where we're going to be gaining greater clarity on what does the church look like, specifically a church that really did change the world, which is what we want to be. We want to be a church that changes the world. And that church is the church of Antioch in the book of Acts. It's Acts 11, 13, and 14. And so over the next couple weeks... We're going to be looking at this, um, this expression of, of the people of God, of the bride of Christ. Um, and so we're going to, this is going to be an attempt to have the clouds cleared away and the rain stopped and say, what could the church be in all of its brilliance, in all of its beauty? Who could we be as a people who really transform the world? Now, this series is, is significant in more ways than than just saying, hey, let's look at what the church is all about. But uh, the harbor is connected with a larger movement of churches, a a family, if you will. And that family actually gets its name uh, from this church. And we call ourselves Antioch International Movement of Churches. We feel called to be a part of something that God's doing on the earth today that looks a lot like the church in Antioch. And so a lot of our DNA, if you will, uh, comes from uh, this church in Antioch. So it has some implications in general as you're on a journey saying, am I going to be about the people of God? Am I going to throw in with the church, the, the community that existed for, that has existed for thousands of years? Am I going to say yes to that even in spite of and in the midst of uh, lots of weaknesses and sin and shortcomings? But it also has significance for those of you who are sitting here in these seats because you're here at the harbor. And I don't know where you are on your journey, if this is your first time with us or if you've been here for many years. But um, we're all on that journey of uh, maybe you're here and you're just zealous over the harbor. They can do no wrong. Well, let me tell you. We can do wrong, <laughs> and we're, we are imperfect, uh, but God is doing a glorious thing in us um, as a body and as a church, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, the thing is, we're not meant to stay there, so even as a community, it is good that our community has a lot of clarity, and that you are a people who are clear on who we are. It's, it's a really good thing to know hey, here are the weaknesses. Here are some of the shortcomings. Um, let's be about uh, moving through them and becoming that glorious image together. And some of you, maybe you're here and you say, I, I, I've been through that, John. I'm committed. I'm with you guys. I am committed. I can look out over this room and I know there are ones of you here who are at that spot. And if that's you, then this is just going to be a good kind of re-upping, a re-envisioning for who has God called us to be, where are we going. So as I kind of lead us into this sermon series, it's going to be somewhat of an introduction to the next six weeks that are going to come after. And so we are going to look at what is uh, the church in Antioch. Who were they? Who was this church that so drastically changed the world? In some ways that we're sitting here today because of this church in Antioch. So if you could turn with me to Acts 11. We're going to read through uh, a description. Um, a picture. It's more than just a description. It's really a picture of uh, this church in, in Acts 11 here of, in Antioch. So Acts 11... 19, I'm going to read Acts 11, 19 to 30, and 13, 1 through 3. So as we read this, I want to keep, keep your eyes out for the, for the glimpses of glory in this people, for those moments where the clouds roll back and you're able to see the mountain range, the glory, the grandeur of what the church can really be. So that's what we're going to focus on just to prepare you over the next six weeks, seven, six, seven weeks. We're going to say, what is that glorious picture that we can hold on to even when it feels cloudy, even when it's difficult to see? Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, the Greek speakers, the non-Jews, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Just jump with me real quick to uh, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It's another picture here of this community. Now there were in the church at Antioch, So we've got the larger, there's the universal church, but also local churches. The church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Awesome. Thank you, Lord, for that church. Beautiful. So, for the rest of our time, we're going to move through, at a pretty quick pace, uh, seven core commitments of the church at Antioch. That we also believe are core commitments of who we are so you can put this in that clarity section as you're you know thinking about the church as you're thinking about this church, the harbor uh, this is who we are and so as you think about getting to that place of commitment and saying I want to commit to really be about these people um, this is just a hey here, here we are this is this is who we are these are the things that get us fired up the first is and this, if you're a note taker, you might want to take notes because we're going to move quickly. This is hopefully that it fires you up, um, but it is also somewhat informational and that's not a bad thing. So the first is this cross-cultural evangelism and missions. It says in, in that verse 20 there, it says, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. This is the first church that we get explicitly recorded that is not just uh, going to be sharing and reaching out as a whole church to their own people group, to their own, the own people, the the ones they rub shoulders with as they walk throughout their lives. Um, In our larger movement, we have at least twice, if not more than twice as many teams overseas planting churches in largely unreached parts of the world. Um, in a very cross-cultural way. It's because of this. It's because we believe that the gospel is for every person. And if we only stick to the Jews, only stick to the people who speak our own language and look the way we do, dress the way we do, well then, how's the rest of the world? How are all these other cultures who need to hear about the goodness of our great King Jesus, who loves each person so deeply? How are they going to hear if we only stick to our own crew? Uh, this is one reason that from the outset of the harbor, uh, we've never been just about reaching Gordon on the college sphere. Uh, we've always had a heart that we would be uh, putting equal energy, if not in some ways more energy at times, into, into reaching Montserrat and Selm State and Endicott and North Shore. Um, it, it's, and it's why as a movement, we are just so committed to the Great Commission, And kind of being cross-cultural. And uh, so we love to... We get excited about even this room. You know, I look out over the room and see a good deal of white and middle class-ish. And uh, certainly others. But but we want to see even this room. How cool would it be if it was non-that starting to invade our space in a sense. But it's not an invasion. It's because we're bringing the love of Jesus. We're bringing the gospel... And it says, they preached the Lord Jesus. So we're not a people who are just going to act out the gospel and do good things. We will do that. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we're also going to be sharing the reason for that. And we can't, they're inseparable for us as a church and as a movement and should be as the church. That the proclamation and the demonstration are inseparable as you're sharing the Lord Jesus with people. So I want to go to the second one. Uh, I'll, I'll just rephrase. So, But they are up there. So yeah, cross-cultural evangelism missions. The second one is the power of God. Uh, it says the hand of the Lord was with them. This is another way of saying that the power of God was in their midst. Uh, we are a people who get excited about God showing up in power. Uh, we're unapologetic about that. We will celebrate the stories uh, that happened in India um, through our team that if you were here last week, you got to hear. We had our first multiplication miracle. And, and I say that not as like a metaphorical or we really did. We saw lotion multiply um, a little bit last for long periods of time in this home of hope. Um, with the dying and the deceased and we're going to celebrate that that's awesome that god is still doing multiplication miracles today just as he did in the bible and we'll also be a people who um, who when we're not experiencing as much power as we see in the new testament we're going to seek the lord and say god we want you to move in power of course that's never at the expense of love in the book of Acts, the church always walked in love and power. Again, one of those that are not meant to be a dichotomy. We're to walk in love and power. And so when we're not experiencing power, we're going to seek the Lord and say, why are we not experiencing more of your power in our midst? It's who we are. It's who the church in Antioch was. And uh, and we're excited about it. The third one is that uh, the church in Antioch, the, the church that... This glory um, is they trained the body and they equipped the saints. Says for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. So this is um, this is important because uh, church leadership is not just about going and doing a bunch of ministry to people. The purpose of pastors, teachers, uh, you know, leaders in the church, all these things is actually to, according to Ephesians 4, it's to equip the people of God to do the work of ministry. That's not like a standoff and shirk responsibility. No, not at all. But it's to say we are not just about having some professionals up front who are going to do all the ministry. And so this people, this church, we are devoted to and committed to seeing God's people knowing how to do effective ministry in their workplace to the poor. Um, this is, you know, one of those areas that last week and uh, even this week, Neil, Neil mentioned how we're working to collaborate a lot more with our larger movement here in the greater Boston area specifically. And this is going to be one of the areas where I think you're going to see a real improvement over the next two years and beyond. That we are going to get a lot better at training, equipping the body to be the body. This is why we have training schools. This is why we do Navigate and train people so that they can do ministry. But we want to up the training and equipping of people um, even beyond the training schools and even beyond that so that we are really a church who is walking this kind of core commitment out. Okay, so the next one. Come, again, this is just a quick, quick glimpse. The, the clouds are moving quickly, just so you know, they're coming back soon. And um, the fourth is this, compassion and generosity. It says um, near the end of that passage in 11, it says, everyone according to his ability, so everyone gave according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So there was a church in Jerusalem, and then there's a church in Antioch, and the church in Jerusalem was having a real shortage of resources, and they needed some help, they needed some money. And so this church in Antioch, uh, not that it was loaded, or the most, um, yeah, just wealthy church, they pooled their resources, and each person, according to their ability, they gave generously. Uh, They were a generous people. They trusted the Lord with their resources. And this is who God has called us to be. And I just want to, I want to mention that even last, or or the past couple weeks, um, and over the course of our history as a church, it's been really fun to see the way we have done this in a lot of ways, even at least in our own community here. Uh, Many of our our short-term trips, um, you'll know we, we try and raise a lot of funds from kind of outside the harbor and things like that. But uh, at least what has happened is near the departure time, usually someone is up here saying, hey, we still need 5,000. You know, we still need 3,000. We still need more thousands. And uh, uh, what's amazing is God provides that from all over. But a lot of the time, it comes from right here in our body. I've just been amazed at trip after trip, the way people who tithe and give and have already given three times to the trip say, okay, you still have more need? I'm going to give generously. I'm going to show compassion towards these people who are trying to go and give compassion to others. There have been families who have had you know, tragedies happen and people quickly respond Um, in giving so just one it's it's who we are it's it's who we feel and it's who the church is when the church is at its best a generous and a compassionate people the fifth one is this that we are committed to the word and the spirit it says in in acts 13 there it says that in their midst there were prophets and teachers god is leading his church he's the head of the church And he's leading the church and he's guiding the church and he's directing the church by his word through the scriptures, this timeless, amazing book here. And we love the scriptures here. Uh, our sermons are based in the scriptures our faith groups you'll go and you'll have encounters with people uh, wrestling through these and drawing encouragement and life through these i hope that if you are in this community that you get an encouraging word on a semi-regular basis from the scriptures from another individual person that we are a people who are constantly sharing scripture with each other and encouraging one another but we're also a people um, who are about the way that God is guiding and speaking and directing through the Holy Spirit. Every chapter in the book of Acts, except for one, has supernatural direction and revelation directly from the Spirit. Every chapter, except there's one chapter in there that doesn't have it. And, uh, and that's telling, that's significant, that in the, in the church of Acts, the Holy Spirit was leading. And so this church in Antioch had prophets and they had teachers. They were committed to the Word and the Spirit. And so we're going to make room for that in this community. We're going to make room for people who have a real prophetic gifting. I love that song. I mean, how powerful was that? What Jenna just sang over us. That was the heart of God being communicated. That's the essence of the prophetic. Is the heart of God being communicated from a person to another. What's on his heart at a specific given moment. So I also hope... That if you come in the doors of the harbor or you kind of move into that place of, I'm committing to be with this people. I hope that on a pretty regular basis, you're getting a prophetic word of encouragement, strengthening comfort, like 1 Corinthians 14.3 talks about. Uh, that, that's, that's my hope. That's where we are going, where we are building one another up in that way. The sixth one is that we are called to be ascending and a church planting church. We're called to be about sending people into the purposes of God, whether it be their workplace, whether it be the ends of the earth for church planting. It says there in in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we have sent off some ones that are very dear to us. Um, Elizabeth Gilman recently, um, with no end in sight, she just said, I'm going, I've been equipped, I've been trained, I'm going. So we were so pleased to lay hands on her and send her off, much like this church. Um, we want to be able to do that as the local church. In Acts, the local church owned the sending of people. Brianna, Yaakovetta, Phil Masterson, we've sent different ones to other parts of the world. And, um... It's a beautiful thing, but it's not just about that. This is also about each one of us in this room being sent into our workplace, our neighborhoods, our vocation, and being equipped and trained and then sent to bring good news about who Jesus is and his kingdom. Brian's probably going to talk about this one a little more, I think. Maybe not. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold him to it. But next week, um, and it's going to be good. Uh, one last thing on this, and then we'll move to the seventh and most important, actually, of all of them. And that is, um, a couple years ago, there was a prophetic word given uh, by a man who's pretty, a pretty well-respected prophetic voice in, in our country. And he had a word to three main movements, streams of churches in America. And he had a specific word of encouragement to each one. Um, the first word was to a, a group out in Redding, California called Bethel, and you may have heard of them, Jesus Culture, their music is pretty popular. Um, and, to, and the word of encouragement was to their leader, Bill Johnson, and the word was, um, every man a revivalist, keep going in making every man, every man and woman, every person a revivalist. That's kind of who they were. Um, some of you may have heard of, of a group of churches called Vineyard. Uh, vineyard churches, and the word there was um, every person equipped. Uh, so we talked about that a little, but every person to be equipped to their leader—that's what the word was. And uh, actually, the third group of churches was Antioch, was ours. And this uh, prophetic voice had a had a word of encouragement to Jimmy, and he said, "For you guys, you need to maintain every every person a church planner, that every person can be about reproducing." The community of God, wherever they are, even if it's in a workplace, if it's in a neighborhood, in an area, or it's to the ends of the earth. Don't stray from that calling that every person, a church planner. So this is who we are. It's what the church in Antioch was about. And and it's the people that God is calling us into. The last one is is this. It's found there, right in the middle of that um, Acts 11 Passage and it says, Barnabas says this to the church in Antioch. So, hear these words in the midst of all the activity that we just talked about. Barnabas exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. We will always be a people of wholehearted devotion to Jesus, we'll never compromise on that. It's the people that were moving towards being even more that in a similar way that we can have this experience with the church where we move from kind of a crush phase to that clarity phase to the commitment. Well, in a similar way, some of you may have experienced that in your relationship with Jesus, where you got saved, you encountered him, something happened. And man, your crush honeymoon phase. I mean, it was just rose-colored glasses, this is amazing. But then as you gained greater clarity, not about who imperfections of Jesus, because he's perfect, but the cost that it takes to really walk with Jesus at times. How hard it can be to really be a part of a different kingdom than the way the rest of the world operates. There's a real cost to that. And there's a real challenge that comes from that increased clarity. But the call to every one of us is this encouragement that Barnabas gave which is to land in the place of commitment to Jesus wholehearted commitment to Jesus not to walk in a circle of disconnect back to another encounter or an experience you might get refired up again but then you remember how hard it is and you disconnect again and, but rather you land in the place of wholehearted commitment with your heart the purpose of your life committed to Jesus our discipleship will hopefully always look like talking to another person and as they share their problems saying, so what's Jesus saying about that? Uh, hey, have you, spent, have you been spending time with the Lord? N- not in legalism, but as a... We don't have a whole lot to offer if Jesus isn't at the forefront and at the center of everything that we're doing. So we'll always be a people who are passionate about Jesus And there's a devotion in our hearts to follow him and to know his leading and to know what he's doing. So as we go, as we go into response, um, I want you to think about where are you on that journey? Uh, Has, is your experience currently, uh, oh, everything's going great, you know, whatever. And um, it's good, but you're not really aware of potentially some of the challenges of walking with a church body and really being involved in the church. Um, or maybe you're in that gaining clarity stage, and that's a good place to be. I, here's some clarity. Um, or maybe you're, you're in that place where the Lord's challenging you to make a fresh commitment uh, to the body of Christ, to the church. Say, I'm going to commit and be about seeing that slab of marble turn into this gorgeous... Um, This gorgeous masterpiece that we may not see, probably won't see in its fullness until uh, the other side of eternity. Until we're there in glory. Um, And and I would say to pull out one of those seven, if you're wavering on your wholehearted devotion to Jesus, let this be a morning where you re-up with him and kind of recommit to saying, Jesus, I am sticking with you through the thick and the thin, through the ebb and the flow, through the mountain high, the mountain low, whatever you want to paint, the light, the dark, I'm sticking with you, Jesus. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be wholly committed to you. So I'm just going to pray and we're just going to pause for a moment. And I just want you to reflect on that and then let the Lord even speak into it. This is one of those times where the Holy Spirit might just speak a word of encouragement to you. Um, if something from this message, um, the Lord may speak to you. And then Jenna is just going to kind of close us out in a, in a song of worship. So thank you, Lord, for this people um, that you have uh, placed on the earth, your church. Thank you that you have a place, there is a place for every one of us in this body. Lord, we have such desire for you. We have a longing, or we have a longing to belong. And you're inviting us in. So Lord, would you speak, if there are areas of hurt, would you come and heal them? There's areas of forgiveness that need to happen, of churches in the past, of leaders, of those things. Lord, let it happen so we can be set free. I just pray that you'd speak to us, Lord, and and that you would knit us together to be the church that really does change the world. Thank you, Lord.